Best Book Bits podcast brings you Leslie Garcia, Bible literacy advocate. Leslie, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, we only recently connected, but uh, I love what you do, and I've been following um, some of your stuff lately. Talk to me um, about sort of whereabouts you come from, uh, what are your early days like, and how did you get here so far on your journey? So I am tuning in right now from Houston, Texas, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Um, I feel like Texans have just a charm that the rest of the states don't have. So if you're from the states and you're watching this and you're not from Texas, I'm so sorry, but we're the most charming state in the US. Um, early years, funny enough, I uh, went to a Catholic school growing up. I went to the same very, very tiny school from pre-K all the way to 12th grade. Then uh, had a very large gap. We can go over that gap uh, in a little bit if you'd like to. <laughs> Fast forward to late 20s, I found myself in a very, very awful relationship. So awful. And wound up at church of all places, which was crazy because even though I was raised Catholic, I considered myself an unbeliever. And so I walked into church for this other person and just was met with God in an incredible way or met God in an incredible way and it just completely wrecked my life. And then uh, a few years after that, I felt like I was called or I felt like God wanted me to do uh, ministry and started school and realized that I'm a huge nerd and I love books. We well, can't see all of them, but there's a lot of books behind me. Uh, my husband thinks I have too many books and I tell him that he's crazy because you can never have too many books. And now I'm here uh, just pursuing whatever God is putting in front of me and helping people understand what they read when they read the Bible. Perfect, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, so what was the, what happened, what was the defining moment in your in your early days that, that got you to the church? You wanna deep dive into a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So I was in a relationship with the same person for about a decade. Um, and it was, it was abusive and it was just really awful. And this guy was dealing with depression, but he wasn't really doing anything about it. He was just kind of sitting there every day, like, woe is me. And I get it. Like, I understand depression is hard to like pull out of, but where I was in my headspace, I was just over it. Like, you're not going to be a turd to me and then ask for my sympathy when you're, you know, dealing with things that's changed quite a bit. Um, but so one day I walked in and he was just the same thing and I, I knew he grew up in a church and so I thought maybe church would make him feel better and I didn't want to go. Everything in me was like I do not want to go to church at all and walked into the building and felt like with this attitude of like okay God impress me like if you're really there then impress me because I'm not impressed thus far. Um, I just had like a a huge wall built up against God just um, everything that's kind of happened like all the negative things in life just you know trials that I was facing I just was like if God is real then why am I suffering so much like if he's such a good God then why is everything so crappy you know and so I walked in and I remember they were they I don't really remember the message I remember the worship I remember them singing and I remember one song that they were singing and it was um, Holy Spirit, and if you haven't listened to it, you should totally listen to it by anybody who sings it. It's incredible. And everything within me just like crumbled. And I just felt like this like weakness in the pit of my stomach, like you were utterly and completely wrong, Les. Like you've got it all wrong. And so I just kept coming back, started getting more involved with church and um, 
Yeah, and I remember, and things didn't get better automatically. That's one thing that I feel like people kind of have this misconception of, that once you make the choice to follow Jesus, everything in your life is like, poof, it's amazing. And it's not the truth. Maybe it is for some people. For me, it was not. Life was still very awful. I was still in that relationship. And I remember one day after I had given my life to Christ, um, I was still in that relationship and it was a particularly terrible day. It was just one of those days that things got a little bit out of hand. And I remember being so shaken up and just thinking like, okay, life is so bad that the only thing that comes next is I die because it can't get any worse than this. And I just like, I didn't know how to pray then. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't, like, I didn't know that like I could just talk to God or anything, but I remembered the music of it. And I just looked on my phone and I looked up, you know, Christian music. And I kid you not, the first song that popped on was Holy Spirit. And that was the first time that I really, truly, and genuinely felt that I was not alone and that God was there listening. And not only was he listening, but that he cared so deeply to relate with me on a level that was might be something small, but that he cared so deeply to reach out to me in that way. And I was just all in and I just like broke down and I was like, oh God, you're out. You know, those things. <laughs> No, I, I, um, I agree. I agree with you that, yeah, Christianity or any faith-based religion, it's an internal representation, what it means to you and how it makes you feel at those particular moments. And it does feel like a one-on-one -on -one relationship because the serendipity of moments and that you can't explain, uh, or you shouldn't explain to anyone because they don't make sense to anyone but yourself, but they really move, move something inside of you to, for you to move forward to that, um, to that religion and then that could be any religion any any experience that you do have um you you form a a, a real connection uh with the religion that you follow so yeah amazing story so just want to tangle back a little bit um what was the moment where you thought i'm going to give my life to christ was it a baptism or was it uh, what what was that moment that led up to that or that that decision no, it was in church. It was that first day that we had went to service. So I, I didn't even wait for a baptism or anything. It just felt so, like it was such a heavy, like just pressure within me. Like, okay, like in the moment where they, you know, at the end of service where they have the, the altar call or whatever people call it. Um, I just knew that like, this was a moment for me. Like as terrified as I was, like I didn't have any hesitation about it. I just knew, okay, this was for me. I needed to stand up. I came here with the the idea that it was for somebody else, but really it was for me and I needed to stand up and go ahead and make that, that, that claim that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm all in Jesus. Oh, so they offer that, that at the end of the service and then you go up and then you, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Well, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. We don't, so the, the problem we've got in, in the Western world is a, a lot of our younger generation. Now I'm born in the eighties and I was baptized and, but I wasn't, we weren't, I wasn't raised in a, a religious household, so to speak. We, we definitely weren't atheists, but it wasn't something we practiced. It wasn't something my parents practiced. I mean, we come from a very, very good family, but what I'm trying to say is the, this younger generation themselves, they might come from Christian-based values. It's sort of, I mean, in Australia, in the West, we're, we're, you know, a Christian society or a Western-based Christian society. What What's the problem at the moment with why the younger generation aren't going to church? Are they not connecting with the institution of church? Because I think the message gets mixed up in the institution. Uh, what are your thoughts on that with, with 
how that's sort of playing out at the moment. Yeah, I do believe that there is a disconnect between, uh, I'll say, our generation and the next because we're dealing with with real life issues that aren't necessarily spoken about head on within the church. And not only that, but we're an information generation. We wanna know. And if someone isn't willing to tell us, someone who's specialized or someone who's a professional, we're gonna go looking for it on ourselves. And sometimes for younger people, I'm thinking like high school or even middle school, they're just gonna Google, you know, anything or or ask a friend who might not have the, the correct answer. And so they're picking up bits and pieces of information without having um, without having the clarity of or having someone actually explain it. You know, if you think of and not to knock Catholics at all. My best friend is Catholic, or I was I was raised in a Catholic school. Um, but the perspective of God is that he's constantly watching and that he is judging everything that you do. And that's really scary for a high schooler or for anybody for that matter, you know, um, that thinks that every single mistake that they have ever made is just kind of being shoved in this spiritual backpack that they have to carry around. And when they don't realize that there there is a freedom offered to us within, within our salvation in Jesus, then it's a little bit scary and they don't have that understanding and they kind of just push away from it because who wants to be around somebody who's judging them constantly or watching their every move in disapproval? That just doesn't sound like a great time, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things. I want to, um, One of the things I know you're working on at the moment, which is uh, it's a really, really cool technology, uh, talk to me about Tome app. Yes, Tome app. I was invited to be a part of this incredible app called Tome, and it's the world's first video devotional app. And uh, for someone like me who wants to help people understand what they believe and why they believe it and where their beliefs exist in the Bible, it presents um, the Bible in a very practical, easy to digest kind of way. And for some people that might be like, oh, the Bible isn't meant to be, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We want to reach people with the message of Christ and uh, help them understand their faith. And not only that, but help them walk through real life issues that that the people that are teaching on this app, the people that are speaking on the app have gone through. And, and there's some crazy stories on there that people have been able to point back and say, God did this because of that. Ultimately, that's it that God is helping us through every season of life and walking us through. Because at the end of the day, people need to know that they're not alone. Um, yes, God is there. He's not, you know, watching you and judging every single thing that you do, but he's there guiding you um, to ultimately glorify him. Yeah, spot on. Um, I've got a personal experience with that myself. I think a, a lot of times when you get to a moment where you hit rock bottom, so to speak, and you're the one that reaches out to something higher above to say, you know, help me get through this particular moment and I'll sort of, I'll serve. And you don't know if those situations were, it's just, just in life itself, it's quite strange that we do go through the, the ups and downs and the roller coaster of, of life. But sometimes when you hit that super low point, there's always someone or someone spiritual there to to hold it and and guide your hand and and that's the moment a lot of people will turn their life around to the higher self and give themselves up and say you know call out to jesus or god or buddha whoever it whoever it may be but but i do think life does service a, a plate of decisions sometimes where you know you came into the church when you said you had nothing to lose and you were sort of at that particular moment and 
I had an experience five years ago where it was uh, it was a near death experience. I nearly died, and very very scary. And yeah, I reached out to someone higher above, and I said, if you can pull me through this, I'll I'll, I'll do what you need to do, and I'll, I'll be your servant. Long and behold, I didn't die, survived. And then one month later, I started my non-profit best book bits where I give away, you know, now I've got the world's largest free book summary website and video written audio format, which is for free. And I'm there to educate people that that can't be educated. And a lot of people say, why do you do it for free? And I'm like, I'm on a mission. Like, I feel like that's my ministry and that's my mission. And I think that was put in front of me. I don't know the serendipity of things. When you look back, you can connect the dots, but it's very hard to look forward and connect the dots. And I know one thing for sure that there's a lot more roller coaster rides in the future but if you've got that understanding of that faith-based attitude well you can tackle anything if you know that you're not alone i like that faith-based attitude i like that yeah yeah well it, it has to be and at the end of the day what you're doing with the app going back to that you're creating devotional stories on video where people can understand that they're not alone and there's someone to guide them and, and help their hand as well. I don't want to talk about sort of the personification of a an image of God or an image of Jesus or an image of the Pope or the institution. It, it is more coming back to people and understanding that as a faith-based attitude, you can get through the ups and you can, well, anyone can get through the ups of life. You can get through the downs of life. And I think that's super important for people to, you know, combine spirituality religion and a faith-based attitude with people that are practicing and holding that space as well so yeah uh, just just a bit of a rant but no i love it i think it's it's so good and pointing back to the app we want to help people develop this foundation of faith that i mean looking forward like you're saying looking back oh yeah god's hand was all over it but if we believe that god works all, all things together for the good of those who believe like then he's working all things together not just in the past looking back but in the future moving forward and when you have this foundation of faith you can stand on it and say okay i'm facing the storm right now or maybe you know two weeks from now i'm hit with something but I have this foundation that can't be shaken, that can't be broken beneath me because I know that my faith is in somebody who can do things that are impossible. So that's the like how we can look forward in faith. Yeah, got it. Where can people um, where can people find more about the app? And is it is it also web based as well or social social media based? Like, how can people interact with it? You can go home app.com t-o-m-e-a-p-p.com or you can just go to home, uh, look up tome on instagram and you and i know there's a couple of videos of yourself there as well yep perfect yeah to my audience go check that out t-o-m-e app now also other ways people can sort of i want to go back to the bible uh, a little bit and talk about you know not adam and eve or how you know god created the world, all that stuff I want to talk about mainly the negative aspects of Christianity, and it is a part of Christianity, which is the devil, Satan, Lucifer. A lot of people can come into Christianity or the or the or the positive side of it through these negative sides. Now, as a researcher myself, I've been researching this stuff for two decades now, especially the darker elements of society, because we we see more of the darker elements in the shadows than we do of the of the light. What's your take on? satan lucifer the devil and satanism and people practicing these these negative dark arts and things what, what's your take on it yeah um i think people are searching for something bigger than themselves we see it um it maybe the most 
common way that we see it is support for a sports team. People get so into it because they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. They want to have their lives have more meaning. And so people are searching for power. People are, bless you. <laughs> people are searching for something that's bigger than themselves that they can be a part of in any way possible and sometimes that leads to those darker areas i remember a time where i was actually reading stuff about satanism and luciferianism because it does offer something that uh, may be seen as powerful granted what i believe is that it's it's empty it leads you down a deceitful path and um it makes you sacrifice bits of yourself that you might not want to, but at the end of the day, you do it because you're like, this is powerful to me. This is empowering to me as a person. And that's kind of the, the, the tricks of the enemy. Like when you read the Bible, you see he, he gives you the truth. He gives you a little bit of the truth with his lies. You know, I know you don't want to take it all the way back to Adam and Eve, but that's where it kind of started. He gave a little bit of the truth with his lies. And so he kind of gets you to question what you know to be true and then decide that, well, maybe that's not true anymore, or maybe that's not really the truth. And so you start sacrificing. He's a little tricky feller, you know? So that's my perspective on it. When the devil comes knocking around, you know, just get out of there. Do you think as a, you know, let's say life's a game and these these are characters in the game and life's a test and if you pass the test, you go to heaven. If you don't pass the test, you go to hell. Do you think these these stories and these oppositions like a, like a football team, you know, you don't know you're good unless you play someone better. Do you think that's there to either sharpen your will with the good or either fall into the darkness of that, like opposing forces? Do you think we need those opposing forces to actually test ourselves in, in, a, in, a, in, the, in the game of life? Um, oof, that's a, that's a bit of a theological question. And I, I think that we don't. We don't. I think that we inevitably, if we think about the original design of humanity, what God had intended in perfection in the garden, it was a life pretty much, he gave them jobs to do, he gave them tasks, but it wasn't to, let me see how good you are, or let me put, God's not up there like, oh, let me give them a hard time to see how, how holy they are, <laughs> you know, and, and the reason why we have evil in the world is because this world is broken through the original sin in, in Genesis and stuff like that. And evil was allowed to enter into the world. It's not because of God. That's one thing that I wish people would understand that bad things are not because of God. It's because we live in a fallen world led by someone who wants nothing more than to separate us from God. And so the great thing about God is that he doesn't use these, these things to kind of, well, how holy are you or how good are you or how strong are you? He doesn't do that. He uses them to bring about goodness for us. He doesn't use it as a test in the sense of if you if you pass this test, then you're like one closer, one step closer to heaven. Like, no. And if you fail it, then it's like to the pits of hell to you. You know. Can you compare it with, let's let's look at uh, a comparison, like a company. Let's let's look at Apple, for example, and not to say that the, the image of uh, Apple is the, is the bitten apple, which is sort of uh, biblical in itself. But S Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak, they created a company called Apple. 
And then Steve Jobs eventually died, and then people look at him as the founder of Apple and, and, you know, got kicked out of his own company. Very similar to, you know, Jesus. You know, God created the, let's say, the material stuff, and then Jesus put it together and, and created the message. Now, he's gone, and then some other guy's running the company, and he's not running the company as it was founded, let's say, the devil. Okay? And then people looking at Apple going, such a bad company, sweatshops, this and that, that and the other. That could be, like, you can use analogies of the Bible in, like, everyday life in terms of God created something, something positive was created, and then that positive was turned into a negative, and all of a sudden, we're trying to undo those those negatives. Just, just, just a rant through that. But I've got so many questions in regards to, like, tell people, what's the difference between the Bible and the Gospels? I've got the Gospels here. What, what is the difference? When we talk about the Gospels, or, okay. The Bible is all 66 books. The Gospels are four of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the introduction to the New Testament. The Gospel, when we talk about the Gospel, is the message of Christ and the salvation that he offers, which is a little bit confusing. So there's the four Gospels, which talk about while Christ was on earth. There's the gospel, which is the overarching message of Christ and salvation. And the Bible is the whole thing. <laughs> got it. Yeah, this is where it gets confusing. Uh, in my family, we've, we've got a 106-year-old Bible, which is, you know, nearly a foot tall, I reckon. Um, you know, quite thick, and it's the whole kit and caboodle. And it's one of those things that you can't even open because it's so sacred. I have one of those, like, right on the bottom shelf. <laughs> What so for someone starting out and sort of curious in regards to Christianity, where would they start in terms of books? Like, what would be the first book? You know, the Bible is a heavy book, so people might be like, "I'm not going to read the Bible because it's so heavy." Where would you you start, people? Where would you point people? I would. I normally like to uh, su suggest that people start in John. Because John is a is just so focused on the love of Christ. And I think that people need to understand that someone loves you beyond what you could do, what you've done, or what you ever will do. And that person came to sacrifice his own life, not just in death, but in every in every um, temptation that he ever faced on earth, he he remained sinless. He never gave in to temptation, and that's a sacrifice. I mean, how many times have you been faced with temptation, and even if you didn't do it, you're like, man, that was hard, you know? <laughs> but he sacrificed his life in such a great way for because he loves you. And so I, I would always recommend that people go into John because John calls himself um, the one whom Jesus loved, which is kind of pompous if you think about it. You're like, gosh, this guy, like, we get it. Like, you're not Jesus' favorite. But he, there's a thing in understanding the love that Christ has for you and understanding that Christ loves you so deeply. And John had that understanding so much, so much so that he called himself the one whom Jesus loves which I think is just brilliant. I probably would have done that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great little, and they're small as well, the Gospels. They're really like, um, well, the ones I've got are really, really tiny. Like you could read it in, in an hour or two per book. Yeah, and there's so many different versions and translations and um, start with one that you understand. I would, I, I would recommend that. Where did Christianity, what was it like before Jesus? So like going back, before Jesus came on the earth. What was it like before in terms of faith-based religion? Ooh, well, 
So faith-based religion, the world was predominantly pagan, and then God chose Abraham um, to kind of create a nation of people that were going to be set apart from all other nations of people, and they were going to be a testament and a display of God's power, Yahweh's power throughout the earth. But because mankind was sinful, God can't have anything to do with sin. He can't be near it because it's contrary to who God is. It's contrary to his character and his nature and his goodness and, and everything about him. But he wants humanity to be in relationship with him. So he had to set in place something that would bring humanity close to him, which is where you have the Old Testament sacrifices and everything like that, so that they could atone for their sins, which is just a covering of their sins, um, and not necessarily a complete removing of their sins, but a covering to where they wouldn't be seen so that God's people can continue to be in relationship with him. And there's all the Old Testament laws and everything like that. And no one did it perfectly until Jesus. And the reason why Jesus came and did it perfectly is so that he could fulfill that law. And in doing so, all of humanity would be restored to, to, into this relationship with God um, once again in peace and, and in love and all of that good stuff. So Perfect. What, was, was Christianity outlawed for 300 years after Jesus' death? Was that correct? Or? Yes. So um, there was a lot of persecution. Um, not so much in Greece. Um, you, for some reason, the Greeks were more uh, tolerant of it, which is why we have the letters of, you know, to Ephesians, Corinthians, Colossians, Galatians, all of those. Um, but in Rome specifically, there I love Roman history. I do. Um, first century. But yeah, there was a lot of persecution. And even in 300 AD, when Constantine came in, he kind of was like, hey, guess what? Christianity is going to be legal now. It wasn't necessarily, and, and some people might not agree with this, but this is what I just believe um, from reading and listening to all of, you know, everything. Um, I believe that it was a political move for Constantine to kind of uh, make Christianity legal because there were so many Christians at that point that he needed a popular vote and he knew that if he tapped into that audience and gave them what they want, oh baby, he would have a good following. <laughs> Why Rome? What's the what's why the Vatican? Where did that start? What what's the? I don't really know where the Vatican and all of that started. I wish I knew more about like Roman Catholicism as far as the history of it. Um, but I don't know. I, I would assume Rome because it was just such the like the the hub of the world if you will like what's do you know much about islam and and uh, the holy quran and i i read recently one of the major reasons why they don't get along per se is because they don't believe the story of of jesus and you know they they basically say it was all made up and it was used as a tool and a weapon they've been around longer and that's one of the major reasons is that they they actually call them out so the Quran actually calls out the Bible and, and says it didn't happen all made up. What's your thoughts on that all? Can that actually come back together and, and can there be space where they can get along from an institutional point of view? From an institutional point of view, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't know much about the Quran. So speaking into it, I don't want to seem, you know, uneducated or, you know, um, but yeah, I, I think... Man, I just don't know. That's a good question. 
No, that's okay. I just I, I just research a lot of things and snippets, and I'm, I'm into a lot of alternative stuff. I'm going to do a bit of a speed round with you. I'm going to do a bit of a speed round. I'm going to jump into um, a couple of weird stuff, and I just want to know your thoughts. Like, what are your thoughts on spirits and ghosts? Like, do, do you think, like, when I talk spirits, I mean, like, not ghosts per se, but spirits in terms of strong spirits, like the spirit of Christ or the spirit of the devil or the, like, really like what, what are your thoughts on that or what are your understanding so i do believe that there are different presences i don't i don't know that i would label it as spirits because i uh, the only spirit that i genuinely believe in is the spirit of god which is the which is the presence of god within us um i do i mean because think of angels like angels exist and, and things like that. So I do believe and not all angels are, you know, in heaven or from heaven. Like we see that in the Bible. So I do believe that there are different angels per se that are, are you know, have a bad agenda that are working for, you know, Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to call him, the devil. Um, but yeah, I do believe that exists. But I was I was having this conversation with someone uh, recently about spirits. Um, if it's a if it's I believe that if it's like an angel from the Lord, that they don't want that acknowledgement. They don't want you to call them out and say, "Oh, hey, I see you." They're there to do God's work. They're there to protect us, to surround us, to to keep us from you know danger, you know whatever it may be. But they don't want that that credit got it yep cool you need death experiences do you know much about it or had any experience with with people because that i I've, I've studied that for a long time and a lot of people that have had ndes that they call them have really really good positive experiences and have had a, a christian-like experience where they go straight to the church after it and they're like wow like the ultimate closest thing they could come to in regards to going to the light what, what are your understanding on that that's just one of those things that's like a mystery. Like we just kind of have to take people at their word for that. But I do believe that God still works in mysterious ways and, and in different um, aspects of life. If someone's coming close where they're kind of bordering that life and death line. I mean, you almost died. What was your experience? Didn't I didn't have a need that mine was fully conscious. It was literally, yeah, yeah, fully conscious. It wasn't a, a need death experience where I died and left my body and, and, you know, had a need, and I could, yeah, it wasn't like that, but it was a, a point where calling out to say, hey, if I'm going to die, uh, I'm going to die, but if I'm not, well, let me let me do something on this planet and let me, let me serve. Now, that was just a, a, a random question. I'm happy to jump qu next questions. Channeling, what are your thoughts on channeling or what's your understanding on channeling? Channeling as in, what do you mean? You know how people say they channel other spirits and, you know, like psychics and channeling, and it's quite big these days in the alternative community, but I'm not too sure about it. I I'm not too sure about it either. I believe that we're empowered through the Holy Spirit to do things. Um, anything that we ask in the name of Jesus can be given to us or done unto us. So I think channeling things other than the power of God is kind of a dangerous game to be playing because I just, I don't want anybody's help other than God's. <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. What's your, what's the understanding of, um, here's an oddball quote, aliens with, with the Bible? Oh! I used to be like a huge like conspiracy theorist when it came to like aliens and stuff. I I can't say that they don't exist. 
And I can't say that they do. I just think if we think of all of the things that God has made in the infinite space and planets and galaxies or whatever, um, I do believe that we are one of a kind when it comes to human the human race and everything. I don't believe that there is another human race because then that would that would open the door to like multiple Jesuses and that's just a little bit weird for me to kind of dive. I mean, we can dive into that, but that's going to take like hours. No, no, no. I just, I just want to spitball and, and get, get your ideas on some. I'm involved in that space a little bit. I've been, yeah, as a, as a researcher down many rabbit holes and still going down the rabbit hole. I'll be releasing a lot more alternative stuff recently, but... Um, I definitely love the whole alien stuff. I, I think it's just like a phenomenon. It's just a mystery that, you know, maybe one day we'll actually get answers, but for now. Well, there's, I, I, there's a lot of stuff on Netflix these days or even, um, what is it, Prime Video and, and all that stuff. Uh, I'm more interested in deep underground military bases and, you know, alien bases. And under, under I heard recently I got invited to a, a UFO conference under the sea. There's a lot of bases under there, and they live they live under the sea in, in bases and underwater submerged objects. Very very interesting rabbit holes through that. But I just wanted to. Well, it's news to me as well. Um, I just wanted to see what the connection was in regards to was there any writings in the Bible regarding that. Um, what I'm more interested about as well, I do follow a lot of Christian people, like a, a lot of influence, like some top influences that are into jesus and christianity to the point where they talk a lot about prophecy that's coming true what's your thoughts on prophecy or where does that originate from that's a very interesting thing that we're living through these people to call them end times but i, I don't believe there's end times there's always start times because there's a new day what are your what are, you, what are your thoughts on that um as far as where prophecy came from it's an old testament method of god communicating to his people he would choose um, a specific person to direct his message, you know, Jeremiah, Elijah, Isaiah, those kind of people. Um, now, as far as modern day prophecy um, on big events, I'm not too sure about that either. I, I would say as far as prophecy within our own lives that the we can have promptings from the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you felt like a prompting from the Holy Spirit. You were like, I think I'm supposed to do this, or I'm supposed to talk to this person, or I'm supposed to go here. And then it just, things kind of line up. I do believe that that, that exists, um, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but I, I, uh, prophecy is kind of, for me, prophecy is, uh, connected to revelation from God. And because Christ was the last like real revelation, then I don't think that there's any more new revelation. So like, I'm a prophet of God. Like, I don't know that that's, you know, somebody speaking into big events like that. It might just be coincidence or it might just be a lucky guess. I don't know, but I just, I just can't see it being a, a real thing outside of, you know, what the Holy Spirit prompts us to do. I could be wrong. No, got it. No, that was just a, that was my little speed round uh, with yourself. Now, I'm very impressed with your bookshelf and library behind you. What are some of the, the three books on that, at that, what are some of the top books on that shelf that you would recommend people to read? Ooh, um, I do like, um, uh, where is it? I would say, um, the 12 Caesars is really good if you're interested in learning about, uh, like just 
the Roman Empire and the different, I mean, it was wacky. The guys like leading everything. Um, what else? I love everything about Henry VIII. Yeah, what's what's your what's your fascination with Henry VIII? I know you said something earlier about it. Okay. So I had to do a hermeneutics program uh, research project where uh, we kind of just take the way that somebody uses scripture, like their understanding of it and how they applied it to a certain situation. So I just wanted to do something different, and I chose to do the hermeneutics of Henry VIII during his divorce. And because he uses like Ecclesiastes or something like that. And then I just like went down like the whole rabbit, you know, whole thing. And, and I just really find him so fascinating. And I genuinely believe that if he had not gotten divorced, we would not have Protestantism the way that we do today. Because he kind, him kind of kicking Rome out of his territory is what kind of sparked Protestantism to enter in. I mean, granted, his daughter Mary was like, nah, we're going to be Catholic. But then Elizabeth was like, no, we're going to be Protestant. And so it's just so fascinating. His He was such a ballsy guy that I just kind of have to respect it. And my husband thinks that, like, I have a crush on him. But you can't have a crush on somebody who's dead. That's weird, right? <laughs> you, whatever, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. For, for people playing at home and people listening, what is the difference between Protestant and, and Catholic and all the other divisions? It's doctrine. It's just doctrine. Uh, which means the set of beliefs that we hold to. So one major division between uh, Catholicism and Protestantism is that our salvation as Protestants or as Christians, I'm going to say as Christians, which Christians is just a name. You won't find it in the Bible. Christians is a term that is used for people who identify with Christ in the sense of they want to mimic his life and follow his, you know, what he does and all of those beliefs. So Catholicism believes that our salvation is not eternally secured. So anytime you sin, make a mistake, mess up, tell a lie or whatever, you have to go and apologize for it. Which I do believe repentance, which is just another, another word for apologizing or recognizing that, you know, you did something bad. Um, so they believe that we have to do that every single time and that our place in eternity is not secure. So we don't know where we're going to end up in, in when we die. And I just don't believe that. I believe that that it diminishes the, the death and sacrifice of Christ um, and, and saying that it's not sufficient in an eternally securing salvation for all of mankind forever. So I, that's the difference. One, one difference. There's some other differences that, you know, we can go into another time. <laughs> what's with what's with like uh, new age churches and you know some of these churches, especially in Australia, they pop up in like warehouses and they uh, they just call them these new names and it's like what I don't understand what the difference between these institutions are. What's your take on that? I think people, again, are just trying to find a way to bring Jesus to people in a way. Um, now, I, if without knowing their, the, the churches in particular, I can't speak too much into what they teach or what they believe, but I think people are just trying to offer Jesus in a way um, that can relate to who they believe it needs to relate to, their audience, you know? Yeah, got it. And the difference between father and priest? Father, uh... Uh, a priest is just a role within the church. 
It was a it was a role within the Old Testament. Um, they were set apart from everyone else as far as what they could or couldn't do. Um, but yeah, so father is I don't know why they call call priests father. It's a little strange. I'm interested in your understanding of uh, fascination with Scotland. Talk to me about Scotland. What's your fascination with Scotland? Scotland. <laughs> it started, I'm like turning red already. Um, uh, it started in 2019. Um, we went to Scotland and I was going to, we were going to the UK because I wanted to go see all of the Harry Potter filming locations. And so a lot of them are in Scotland. And um, so we drove around and as we were driving from place to place, I was just blown away at how beautiful Scotland is. Like, I can close my eyes and I'm there. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. And it made me just feel like just so at all at the vastness of creation. Like, have you been to Scotland? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I used to live in the UK and I've got family in the UK and we spent some time in Scotland. Yeah, amazing place. Very cold, but yeah, amazing. Yeah, and I love it. And so that's kind of where it started. And then I didn't know about a show called Outlander until I got back. And so then I started watching it and of course fell in love with Scotland even more because of like in the show there's places that like we actually got to see before I even watched the show and I was like oh my gosh how cool is that and then you know they do a really good job of kind of like talking about a little bit of the history and then they had a spin-off show like the main character where they actually talk about the highlands and you know highland culture and all of that good stuff so it's really cool. I just love it. I tell my husband, I was born in America to Mexican parents, but I am Scottish. <laughs> Sound like a, a guy I did a book summary, Dan Pena. He's, uh, he's a Mexican-American that uh, lives in a castle in Scotland. So if you don't know who Dan Pena is, don't research him. He's a bit different than the, the Christian stuff. Um, <laughs> now, Christian, Christian music and church music, where would someone, where would be the, any recommendations on the best start to someone to get that uh to get that gospel music in there i i recently watched the elvis presley documentary and uh, didn't know that his background was massive into gospel and that's how it sort of started so thank thank the christ for elvis i would actually recommend uh, my husband does music for our church he writes most of the songs and they just released an album um last month oh wait we're in october so the end of august so so it's called Whatever May Come. That's the name of the album. And it's by Lakewood Music, which is our church. And it's phenomenal. I, I'm not even saying that because I'm married to the guy, but it truly, truly is such a great way of taking what people believe or what people um, should be believing about God and putting it putting it to such beautiful melodies and music. And, and it's, it's wonderful. Huge fan. Yeah, perfect. So that's uh, Whatever May Come by Lakewood Music. So check that out. Now, perfect. A couple other questions before we sort of wrap up. If you would have a dinner party with three people uh, from the past, I, I probably guess a couple of them, uh, who would they be and, and, and what would you serve them? So I know Henry VIII is going to have a seat at the table, but but who, who else? Well, you said from the past. Does it have to be from the past? <laughs> yeah, yeah, from the past, from the past. Um, Henry VIII, obviously. Robert Burns? I love Robert Burns, um, the poet. He's. We went to a museum, and he's a bit of a naughty boy, which I didn't realize, but it's totally fine. <laughs> and, uh, oh gosh, who else? I don't know. 
uh, from the past, I didn't I didn't think about that much. I know who I would want now, but who who would you want now? So this is a little bit strange. And but I, if I could have lunch with these two people, it would just be like amazing. Christoph Waltz um, and Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Hang out with them. They just seem so cool. So, where would you take them in Texas? Texas barbecue. Where would you take them? What would you feed them? So we do really good Mexican food here. So I would take them to a restaurant called El Tiempo, which is the best. So perfect. Now, a little uh, fun fact: Texas has a population of 29 million, which is uh, more than Australia, which is about 27 million. So as a as a state and a country, you're bigger than most most countries. And I know as a GDP is a, is a quite good. What? Tell me a little bit about Texas before we wrap up. I've never been. I want to go. Why? Why should we go to Texas? And where? Where? Where do we go when we're there? What do we do? Come to Houston. Houston. Okay. Because we have the best food. It's very humid, so make sure you have comfortable clothes, um, and lots of baby powder and deodorant, so you can like tear the sweating or whatever. But yeah, Texas is just a massive place to see just a bunch of different terrain in one state, which I know you can get from California, but who wants to go to California? We can have some good old Southern friendship in Texas. <laughs> Perfect. I know Joe Rogan just moved down to Texas and I uh, hear a lot of good things. <laughs> now, Leslie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I definitely want to have you back and deep dive into some of the stuff and we can go in and get to Tome as well. So to my audience, uh, go out there, check out the app Tome, T-O-M-E. Follow Leslie as well for everything related to Christianity, Scotland, Henry VIII and all that stuff too. So, And just one last message you, you want to leave my audience. What, what would that be? Uh, one takeaway that they could take away for the day and get them inspired. That there is someone out there that is rooting for you and that loves you unconditionally and that person's name is jesus perfect leslie thanks for being on the best book bits podcast and uh, we'll catch up soon okay okay no worries speak to you soon